in Matthew chapter 11, uh, the Lord talks about how uh, his burden is light. His burden is light. So uh, he says, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, a.k.a. if you are stressed out of your mind, if you have a lot of responsibilities that weigh you down, says all of you, you're, you're just tired. Have you ever woken up from a 12-hour sleep and you're exhausted? There's a different kind of tired than the tired uh, that gets fixed when you go to sleep. There's a different kind of tired. There's a, a stress tired, a worn out tired. Uh, have you ever come home from vacation and need to vacation from your vacation? Have you ever came back from spring break and you need a break from your spring break? It's like Saturday is not long enough. It's because there's a different kind of tired. And, and Jesus says, come to me, all of you that I'm talking about right now, I want you to come to me that are weak and heavy burdened and I'm going to give you rest. And this is the key. For my burden is light. In other words, when you live with me saturating your life, when you are so deep inside of me, because Paul says this, in him we live and breathe and find our being. When you are so deep inside of me, my burden is light. You will feel, in contrast, you will feel like you're floating, which is effortless, versus swimming, which is very strenuous. And the Bible makes it clear, in my own vernacular, we're built to float. It's not supposed to be strenuous, not that we're not going to have problems. Jesus also said, as long as you're here on this earth, you are going to have problems. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You are going to have, you've come to church today to hear the preacher say, you're going to have a lot of problems. Thank you for coming, everyone. I'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> you're going to have a lot of problems. But when you, if you've ever um, uh, been on a raft in an ocean, you can be on a raft and still hit waves, still have ups, still have downs, but you're riding them, you're floating on them versus getting knocked over and being crashed by them. Does that make sense? And so I want to say that you are built to float. So let's dive straight into the scriptures, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And if you were to list all the stories in the Bible, this would be in my top three. If I could preach on this passage every week, I would. Uh, so here, let's dive into it. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see now the place where we dwell. With you, it is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Verse number five. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Bloop. 
And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Uh, let me see uh, if, if I can uh, illustrate this uh, in, in, with a little bit of color. Uh, you've got this community of people that are uh, a few hundred yards or a few miles away from the Jordan River. Now, uh, I've seen the Jordan River myself. It it makes Galveston look like Miami Beach. It's brown, okay? It's brown. So they are down by the Jordan River. They're in a van down by the river. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) For those of you that like Farley, okay. So um, they're they're in a van. <laughs> they're in a van. Uh, no, they're not in a van. They're. <laughs> Let me pray again. Jesus, help me. So uh, they they they're in a small community. There's too many people for the amount of land they're going to go in and chop down uh, trees. And uh, let me see if my friend Charles here can. Help me with a, a visual illustration. There's, there's one gentleman that did not have an axe. He didn't have an axe of his own. Now, um, if you didn't have an axe in those days, it's a, it's a natural assumption that you are, um, uh, you're struggling financially, to say it um, uh, with delicacy. Because in those days, uh, having an axe was just a staple. Everybody had an axe. Uh, because you, if your house, your house was either made out of a tent uh, or it was made out of logs. There was no hardy plank in those days. Okay, it's either tent, logs. And so you're constantly needing an axe. And so if this guy did not have an axe and he had to borrow an axe, it's a natural assumption that the man was struggling for money. And so here he is. He's chopping. He's chopping down trees to build with his community. Now, while he's chopping, something very strange happens that rarely happens. As he's chopping, the axe head flies off the handle. It flies off and lands in the river. Now, this is a big problem for those of you that struggle financially right now or you have ever struggled. You're going to understand what I'm saying very clearly. If we have any Paris Hiltons in here and you were just born rich, la-di-da-da. But there's only one thing worse than not having money. And that is owing money. owing money. So the axe head flies off and he goes into an instant panic because now he's got to pay this guy back from the axe. He goes into an instant panic. I've, I've had that 
feeling in my stomach before. It's the sickest feeling in the world. I, I borrowed a, a uh, oh shoot, what kind of car was that? It was a sports car. It was a black sports car. Um, a Mitsubishi, the bigger one. What's it called? The Mitsubishi something or another. Everyone's... It's the bigger than the eclipse is just one step above the eclipse. Anyway, it's a black on black. It was loaded. And a friend of mine said, hey, go ahead and borrow it. And I live just outside of Chicago, Illinois. I'm driving in Rockford and I hit black ice. Some of you don't know what black ice is, but it's evil. There's all, there's in hell, there's places of black ice. It's the only cold spots, but you'd rather, it's, it's terrible. And I hit this and just spun right out. Poof, bad. So I, I wrecked this car. I was so embarrassed. It was terrible. And, and so all of a sudden I need to pay for this thing. And so now this guy is, is got to pay for this axe. He goes into a panic. So the man of God, Elisha comes up and says, tell me, Tell me where it's at. And he begins to talk. Now, I've thought about this axe many times over the past 48 hours on how this axe head could have flown off. See, some of you uh, that are new to reading the Bible, let me encourage you to read it like I read it. I don't read a lot. I'm, I'm lucky to read more than one chapter. Uh, I read four or five verses and then just stare at it and go, huh, huh. And, and the way my mind works, that huh, huh takes a long time. And I'm sitting there going, how would the axe head fly off? And it dawned on me. It it could only fly. There are several reasons how it could fly off, but, but I just listed two myself while I was studying either. Number one, the guy used the wrong wood when he made the axe. There's some kinds of wood that are not appropriate for axe making. Now, um, how many of you have lived in the South your whole life and you've never lived around snow? Snow. Go ahead, raise your hand. Don't lie. Don't lie. Go ahead, raise up. This might be a revelation to you, but you can't make a snowball out of all snow. How many can testify that that's true so that the non-snow people can say that that, that's true? See, the non-snow people are like, okay, now I know preachers lie. Ha! No, just, you can have 12 feet of snow right here just because you grab that snow. You can't make a snowball out of all snow. There's some kinds of snow you can make a snowball and there's other kinds of snow you can't make a snowball. If you grab a handful of snow and it's not snowball snow, you will throw that snowball snow. You will be in that snow because it's like throwing powder. You can pack it together. You can pray for it. You can grit your teeth. You throw right on you. It's not good snowball snow. It's good picture taken snow. It's not good snowball snow. There's some kind of wood that's not good for axe. So maybe he picked the wrong substance. Then I thought this. Maybe he did pick the right substance. Except when he built the axe, it wasn't built to endure long seasons. Some axes can just handle a few small trees. But then there's other axes that it can endure long seasons. I want to encourage you to be the kind of axe that can endure a long season. Does that make sense? You can handle a long season. When I look at problems or seasons, 
I usually look at it like a three-hour problem, a three-week problem. Three-week problems usually irritate me. Then there's three-month problems. Then there's three-year problems. Those are rough. Those are long seasons. Regardless of whether it's a three-hour, three-week, we got to be the kind of person that can handle a long season and not lose our head in the process. Does that make sense? Let me see if I can illustrate this in a personal perspective. When my father went through a divorce, um, the, the whole family was not doing well. I was skipping school, uh, my uh, hiding, and my brothers weren't doing well. My sister wasn't doing good. Things were just not going well. Uh, he was driving down Kingwood Parkway, and I'll never forget him telling me this story. He had tears running down his eyes, and he started yelling at the devil. And he said, you've, you've taken my whole family. I don't have money. I don't have a job. My kids live in Alabama. Do you think that you are going to make me stop worshiping God? He's got tears running down his eyes. You've taken everything from me. And I'm still worshiping. You've taken it all. And I'm still worshiping. You know, if there's only one thing my father gave me that day when he told me. Is he showed me the importance of being able to handle a long season. He can handle a long season. I think we all have friends. He can handle short seasons, three-hour problems. But let's be the kind of person you can handle a long season. Where you say, God, I'm going to worship you whether it's sunny, whether it's rainy. I'm going to worship you whether I I ever get that raise or I don't get that raise. I'm going to worship you because you're awesome and because you're great and because you're incredible and I adore you. Why I'm going to worship you. I'm a, I can handle a long season and not lose my head over it. And so then Elisha did something very interesting is he went up to a branch and he cut off a branch off of a tree. Now I thought about this as well. Maybe the ax head flew off because the wood had been dead for too long. Just Maybe. Maybe it got rotten. It's been dead for too long. You know, when you're not connected to your source, you get weaker. You get weaker. When you are connected to your source, it's, there's a lot of strength there. I, I want to just say to many of you single mothers, I am so in awe. I can't wait for Mother's Day because we got a gift just for you. We're going to give a gift to all the mothers, but single moms. I don't know how you do it. I do know how that God gives you strength, but it's just amazing on how you can endure these seasons. And I'll tell you why. It's because you refuse to let go. If you're going to go through this tough time, you're going to go through it praying. See, we're going to go through it. Everybody gets their turn. Do you know what I'm saying? Everybody gets their turn. 
Nobody has it all and nobody has a great life every day. The Bible says that there's trouble as long as you have, uh, as long as you're on this earth. So you can either go through your trouble, moaning and complaining and mad, or you can go through it connected. And I just want to say to all, and I just feel compelled to all the ladies, not just single mothers right now. My heart is, I didn't feel this tug in my heart in the first service, but I feel it right now. Women have this unique ability to experience pain silently. I don't know how you ladies do it, but you have pain silently. I don't know at what point women learned how to do this. Maybe it was the point when you realized that men are louder than what they should be most of the time. And you just learned how to just be quiet and endure it. But I just want to just say, wow. I I don't know how you do it, but just hang on. Stay connected to your source. So he takes a live stick and he throws it out there. And the live stick, the minute it hits the water, what has no life began to have life. If you have somebody in your life that is just, their heart is, it, it, it looks like this. I mean, it's this, and you love them so much, but because they're just dead, it just makes the relationship incredibly hard. You just stay focused on being alive because when something alive gets around something dead, something happens. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to tell them all the scriptures you know. You don't have to preach to them every time they wake up. You don't have to talk about John the Baptist every time you see him. Just be alive. Just It'll ooze out of you. Now, if we're going to be able to do this, if we're going to be able to to be able to float through life, there's three things that we've really got to connect to. And this is all Holy Spirit driven. The Holy Spirit was in that moment when Elisha threw that stick out there. The Holy Spirit has got to be in and moving around us, there's three ways. Number one, we got to see like Jesus sees. We got to see like he sees. You know what I love about kids? I wish we could do this as adults. You know how kids say, I love you this much. I, I wish we never grew out of that. Wouldn't that be fun? Like if I saw you guys talking to each other in the lobby of the church, it's like, I love you. No, I love you this much. Well, I love you this much. Wouldn't it be great if adults talked like that? I love you to the moon and back. I love you all the way to the bottom of the ocean. This is how Paul started talking. He says, "Uh, if I could pray for one thing, that you would know how high God loves you. Past the moon, deeper than the ocean, how wide he loves you. This is how we spoke. I want to say, if we're ever, ever, ever going to be able to float and be able to move, instead of having these strenuous days of dragging ourselves through life, we got to see ourselves the way God sees us. And when he looks at us, he's, the love is outstanding. 
Now, what challenges that sight is when we know ourselves. And, and we know how often we mess up. So let me give you a, a phys, a, a, an illustration. Let's say this pen is you, okay? Um, and, and this pen is constantly saying and doing stupid, sinful things. Let's just say the pen is the person next to you, okay? So constantly doing stupid things, sinful things. So when we look at ourselves. We come into the presence of God like this. Man, I'm, oh, jeez. I'm not even going to worship because the last thing I'm going to do while I'm a sinner is be a fake and a sinner. That's not how God sees you. This is how he sees you. You're the pen. And when you sin, he doesn't even really see you because the Bible says that when you're saved, you are clothed in Christ. So when he sees you, he doesn't even see you. He sees the righteousness of Christ wrapped around. He can't even see you. Let me illustrate it a different way. Before I came into the room, I put a number on my back, stuck it on my back. Okay, it's on my shirt inside my jacket. Guess what number I got on? You guys have no idea, do you? The reason why you have no idea is because it's covered with my jacket. So you want to know what number it is? <laughs> gotcha! I got you about as good as the Houston Rockets got us. They, we... We really thought they were going to win just because they were up by two points with less than a second to go. But no, 0.09 seconds was too much time. They still found a way to lose. <sighs> that felt so good. Just kind of gotcha. I didn't have a number on my back, but you couldn't tell that. Why? Because it's covered. When you see yourself the way God sees you, then we can begin the process of floating through versus dragging through. When God made an axe head rise, it wasn't him just showing off, trying to show off the fact that he could come up with better stories than Dr. Seuss. It was a parallel. He was talking about you and I. Everybody say number two. Number two, not only do we need to see like him, but we got to use the same power that Jesus used when he walked on earth. Now watch this. Jesus lived 30 years and didn't do anything more than you or I could do. And then the Holy Spirit came on him and all of a sudden, 
everything changed. Because when you're connected to the Holy Spirit, you can do things because you have access to the same power that Jesus did. Jesus, when he got baptized by John the Baptist, he came out of the water. John the Baptist looks up. He sees something like a dove. I love that it says like a dove. In other words, I don't know what that is. And I don't have the vocabulary to describe it. The closest thing I can come up with is it is like a dove. That's so cool. And so it lands right on Jesus. And the minute that Holy Spirit lands on Jesus, he starts operating in a level of power that he didn't before. That same Holy Spirit is available for you and I. And there's fruits and there's gifts that we can operate in. Now, let me see if I can illustrate this. Uh, Charles, I want you to come on up here real quick. And uh, Charles, this is the scenario. Um, Tonight, three guys are going to come to your house and knock on the door at 3 o'clock in the morning. Your wife and your kids are going to be sleeping. When you open up the door, it's going to be the evil version of Duck Dynasty. (laughs) Work with me here. Work with me. Work with me here. They are going to look like they haven't showered in a long time. And they're going to be mad and grumpy. And they are going to want to bare knuckle fight you, all three of them. And after they bare knuckle fight you, they're going to come into your home. And they're going to have your way, their way in your house. And you need to fight these guys off. It's going to happen at 3 a.m. Now between now and 3 a.m., the only thing that he's thinking about are those three guys. He's wondering if they're big guys or if they're little guys. As a sidebar, I watched the Mayweather fight last night. I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, this guy is a beast. And then they did the tail of the tape. He's actually 5'7", 146 pounds. This guy right here. There's not a guy in this room. That weighs 147 pounds. Only children and women weigh 147 pounds. He's a little guy. But I just want you to know that these is going to be big guys. Big guys. So you got to, because they're going to bare knuckle you and you need to handle it. And I don't know how many times you watched the karate kid growing up, but you better be good. So it's going to be a bare knuckle fight. Now, it can be, these are your options. Either number one, you can use your own strength, your own power to figure this out. Or, I got a belt that only the policemen get to wear around here. And uh, I just, they've got lots of toys on this thing. Now, since you already know they're coming at 3 a.m., I'm going to go ahead and, and, and put this on your shoulder. It's got a taser on there. Don't point it the other way. <laughs> you might have some trouble, but this guy's got some good toys on it. Like, for instance, it's got this. This thing, even if you just poke somebody with it, you know, it, it's, it, it's gonna. Listen. Ah, listen. No, just kidding. 
this will hurt. So you got a bunch of toys here. You, you got this, uh, you, you got some, uh, some machinery here. You got some handcuffs. If you just want to tell them about their mama after you got them locked up, just, you know, say my name, tell, call me uncle, whatever you want to do. It's, it's got a taser here, here, and, and let's just, uh, close this up or however you do it. And yeah, put that in your pocket. You're going to need that later. But, and then I got this, this ax right here. And so now you could use these tools if you'd like. <laughs> so what do you think he'd rather do? Bare knuckle it or carry some tools. Now these are gifts of mine. I can give them to you. Now, very, the answer is obvious. You can go on your own or you can use these gifts, these, these tools, if you will. You can go ahead and sit down, Charles. Thank you very much. Now, watch this. The Holy Spirit comes with gifts and tools. Now, it's up to you and I if we want them or not. It's up to us. So there's two categories. Uh, number one, in Ephesians chapter 5, there's the fruits of the Spirit. Now these fruits, you may not need them because you may be all that in a bag of chips. As for me, I need them. Let's go down this checklist real quick and let's just remind ourselves what they are. Love, joy, peace. Am I describing you? How am I doing so far? Patience. Kindness. How am I doing? I have not described me yet. <laughs> let me just let you know. Hey, love, joy, pace, patience. Pace. I can't even. You see how bad. I'm Italian. I, I, I've got a disadvantage. Inside of me is I've got Italian blood. The only way I'm going to have these fruits of the spirit is if I say, dear God, would you please give them to me? I watch Godfather over and over again for fun. That's not normal. That's not normal to just watch people get whacked. That's not normal. I don't know. I, I quote the movie. Let's make him go swim with the fishes. That's not normal. (laughs) And so the only way I'm going to have these fruits is if God gives them to me. And so when I pray, I say, dear God, give me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. Lord, give it to me. Please, Lord, I don't have it in me. You got to give it to me. And I want to encourage you. Ask him to give it to you. Just give it. Don't say, help me be. That's a bad prayer. I'll give you an example on why. One of them is patience. I just want to just all of a sudden like be patient. This boom, patient. I don't want to get patient. Getting patient is a process that involves taking knuckleheads and putting them in my life and me learning how to deal with them. No. I don't want that. I had a guy tell me yesterday... If somebody cut off my middle finger, I wouldn't be able to drive my car anymore. (laughs) 
Now, half of the room thinks it's funny. The other half of the room is greatly offended. I'm very sorry about that. I'm just being honest for a second. We need God to do what he does. Step inside us. Ezekiel 36, 26. Give us a new and perfect spirit. Pull out the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh because we have nothing good for him to work with. He just needs to crumple it all up and start over again. Now, we can call upon those things. Now, now we're not dealing with ourselves. Lord, how am I going to be kind? How am I going to be kind? This makes life so much easier. This makes life feel like floating versus the strenuous swimming. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when you get home, there's gifts of the Spirit. The first one is wisdom. Go home and read them. But the way I do it is after I pray for the fruits, then I pray for the gifts. Dear God, cause me to be wise beyond my years. I pray that all the time. Lord, cause me to be wise beyond my years. Cause me to be wise beyond my years. Then I go down the next list. Lord, cause knowledge just to be inside of me. Lord, then I go to the next one. Give me great faith. Not faith. I want great faith. Is there anyone here that could use some of that? Instead of saying, oh, Jesus, I hope, oh, Jesus, I hope, please. I want to be this kind of person. I know. We're built for this. We're built to float. We got to see like him. We got to use the same power. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all nine of them. Let me go straight to number three. And my last and final point is we need to tell time like Jesus. Raise your hand if you're wearing a watch. Just raise your hand. All of your watches. Some are more expensive than the others. Doesn't matter. They're all chronological. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's all chronological. You and I tell time with chronos time. God does not. He does not walk around with a watch. Happy birthday, Ryan. He does not walk around with a watch. He operates in Kairos time, which is one event after the next. He moves in events. On day one, created the light. On day two, it didn't say on day one at 3.37 p.m. he made light. No, he doesn't operate like that. On day one, on day two, he operates in events. If you read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says that there is a time to sow. That's an event. If you are a farmer, you know that there are certain seasons during the year where you sow seed. Now, if you sow seed at 4 in the afternoon or 8 a.m. or 1 p.m. or 2.37, that's up to you. Enjoy your day. But it's the season. It's a season to sow and there's a season to reap. You and I, 
if, hear me say this, if we are going to live a life that is so saturated by God that we don't get so vexed and stressed, we see ourselves the way he does. We strive to connect to the fruits and gifts. And we recognize the time the way he does. And this is the season that we're in. Jesus is coming back very soon. And I don't know who the oldest person is in the room. But you may not see the day that you die physically. Russia has woken up from its hibernation. In the Bible, they call it Gog and Magog. When these big nations come together. Israel has been rubbed and pushed long enough. Netanyahu is headed up to here. The blood moons have begun. These are things that our grandpas, 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 grandpas used to talk about. The first of four blood moons, I stayed up to three o'clock in the morning eating pretzels, looking at it, thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I'm looking at revelations in the Bible happening right now. And I'm eating pretzels. (laughs) I know. (laughs) This is what time it is. In this last time, we've got to do three things. We've, We've got to worship. If you want to worship like this, I don't care how you worship. You can worship laying down on your living room floor. You can worship in your car. You can worship any way you want to. You can worship like this. You can worship like this. You can worship like this. You can just worship like this. I don't care how you worship, but not worshiping is not an option when you recognize what time it is. There's got to be a part of us that says, dear God, help me to worship better than I am right now. You deserve it. And then we take responsibility of the people around us. Why? Because we recognize the time. All of you parents that have your children in Sunday school, you have your children sitting in this room right now. This is you recognizing the time. It may not have been conscious, but your spirit knew, oh, we going to church. Get, get, we could go to church. If I got to say something one more time, I'm going to pull this car over and beat you. I'll beat you. I'll beat you right now. Hey, hey, Hallelujah. Welcome to Lord. I ain't driving with you. Take your own car. Yeah, I don't even love. You sound like your mother. Hey. I don't care how you get here. I don't care how you drag each other here. You drag yourself in here. You get it because you recognize. Recognize the time. 